Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. I hope you're doing well. Uh, it is the end of April, and it is the beginning of Eastertide. Uh, first Sunday after Easter, as we reflect upon the coming of Christ on Easter Sunday, in the days after Easter, we consider and reflect what that resurrection means for us today. Uh, when, we, when we look at the Gospels and when we look at the story of Jesus, there are so many different pieces that are at play. But when Christ returns, there's this moment of relationship, of presence, of, of renewal that already begins to take place with the disciples. The, the days following the resurrection are, are the resurrection at work. And so what we're going to be doing over the course of the next, I think it's four weeks, we're starting a series uh, called Kintsugi. And so, uh, as you saw in the video, it is a, a Japanese art form that we'll talk about a little bit. And we're going to be considering this idea of how the resurrection actually renews the world. Because here's the thing, our, our scars are real. Our, our experiences of life have, have real impact upon who we are, and how we are formed. And, and maybe you've encountered this for yourself, that you have a conversation with someone that has experienced difficulty. They've experienced a similar grief or trauma or experience. And they seem to get it. They seem to understand what, what you're experiencing on, on your side of the ledger. And this, is, this isn't isolated to, to the negative experiences of life. It's like when, when two people go to Disneyland at different times, they both have different experiences, but they kind of get each other. They have, this, they have this shared experience at different times. There, there's this beauty to that. And this translates to how we experience sometimes the grief and the, the difficult moments of our life when someone knows the fears we've had, when they know the pain that we've had, and in many ways we, we come to this conclusion that they're, they're worthy of our trust. And I think this is why Easter is so monumental, because at the heart of Christianity is, is not this philosophy or just this really innovative ethical paradigm. At the heart is a scarred God. And this means... That in a world where there is scars and brokenness and evil, and it's all so real, hope too is meant to be real. There's hope because God incarnate knows our experience and knows our pain and, and therefore wishes to have this, this truth for us that he's earned our trust. If God was cold and distant, then he would not have come. But God, out of love, did come and shared and shares in our suffering. 
So in this series, we're going to be exploring the idea of how the resurrection renews the world. And we're going to be looking at this uh, art form. It's going to be our lens for the series called Kintsugi. Now, the word Kintsugi is actually two words combined, golden and joinery. It's, it's, it's the mix. Uh, it's this Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with a lacquered, dusted, or mixed with powdered gold. Uh, it, it's believed to have originated in the, the 15th century. And as a philosophy, what it teaches us, it teaches us that, that breakage and repair as part of the history of an object is valuable rather than something to simply disguise. The philosophy of Kintsugi, as you saw in the video, tells us that there's actually beauty in brokenness. And imperfections are not something to, to hide from all to see, but to actually put on display that when they have been healed by something more valuable than themselves. It takes broken pottery and repairs it with gold. And this is what we believe Jesus is actually inviting us into. That Jesus repairs our lives with his. That he is the master royal artist making broken lives beautiful. And so the question is, how, where, <laughs> and what does that really look like? And these are all ideas that we're going to explore in this series. And so this morning, we're going to start off and we're going to be uh, reading out of Joel chapter 2. We're going to read verses 12 and 13, and then we're going to jump to verses 28 to 32. So starting in verse 12, uh, some background on the, on the book of Joel. Uh, Joel is a minor prophet, and what he does, he provides a collection of prophetic poems. And if you've ever read the minor prophets, you'll have recognized a certain tone to what they're presenting. Uh, minor prophets were always declaring the judgment that was to come for a particular sin of the people. Joel, he declares this judgment, but he does something a little bit differently. He doesn't identify a particular sin. He, he, does, he approaches it a little bit differently. Uh, instead, what he does is he quotes and he acknowledges the writings of prophets before him. Isaiah, Obadiah, Amos, Zephaniah, Nahum, Ezekiel, Malachi, and he even quotes the book of Exodus. And this is most likely because Joel assumes that all of the listeners that are hearing about the judgment to come were reading the same documents that he was reading. That they knew all the terrible things that were taking place. He was very much aware of the problems that existed within the people of Israel. So this is what we need to know about this, uh, this book before we dive into the text. Joel, he's immersed in the texts of the day. He's very aware of them. He's very aware of all the problems that are at hand. But with his awareness of all of those things, he has an incredible hope for the future. So let's read this together. Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 12. And it says this, Even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. 
Then jumping to verse 28, it says, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. I think it's interesting to note before we step forward that when it's talking about the Spirit being poured out on all people and lists this dialogue of, of old men and of young men and of servants and, and men and women, this isn't meant to be an exact list of this is the exclusive to who's actually going to be receiving. It is meant to push against what people assume to be all people. For the people at the time, it would, have, it would have been an isolation of thought when thinking about all people having the Spirit poured out on them. So this is, this is Joel the prophet saying, no, I really do mean all people. Men, women, young, old, there is no separation when it comes to the gift that comes from the kingdom of God. That it is for all people. And so that's the invitation that I want you to hear first and foremost when we're talking about how the resurrection renews the world, it is not for the person beside you that might, you might think to yourself they might need it or to the person beside you that they might deserve it. It is for you. The resurrection is meant for you and for me. And the spirit that is poured out on all people is not isolated to someone that is maybe more open to it or someone that is maybe more familiar with it, or someone that might just seem to operate in the Spirit more naturally, that is specifically designed and given to you. As, as uncomfortable as it might be, as unsure as you might be, the desire of the creator of the universe is to pour out the Spirit of God upon you. If I say the phrase, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, everyone thinks of the movie Spider-Man. If not, maybe you're more cultured than myself. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, the way that it, it works for my, for my mind is I think of Uncle Ben. Uh, it doesn't matter which iteration that you have watched. Uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, all three great Spider-Mans in their own right, but all have this climactic moment where this profound statement is communicated from someone that they love, with great power comes great responsibility. And this statement itself is interesting because it's been attributed to a lot of different people throughout history. It, it's, uh, some people credit it to Voltaire, other people credit it to during the French Revolution, they, they drafted a bunch of decrees in 1793, and they made the statement within the decree that they must consider the great, that great responsibility follows inseparably from great power. Um, prominent leaders such as Winston Churchill, Franklin Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, they make similar statements in later years. And of course, the appearance, the appearance of the statements within the 1962 issue of Spider-Man uh, 
where it is presented for the first time in the pop culture setting. What you might find interesting, actually, is that there's a little bit of a thematic precursor that's provided in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, but that doesn't maybe directly mention power, but it is an acknowledgement of responsibility nonetheless. It, it says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The popularization of the phrase, much like this happens often, I think robs us a little bit of the weight of it. I think we can say it in almost disregarding comical fashion because of its association. But when I think upon what it is communicating, to disregard it is possibly a greater indictment of our current culture and where we are as individuals more than anything. Because this can go two ways. But this is what this statement is, is really communicating. That when we have been given something, we can either wish to defer the responsibility or be completely ignorant, ignorant of the power that is actually given to us, or we can actually live into it. But the first two options, Deferring responsibility and being ignorant of the power that we have been given is extremely problematic, especially when power is given. Think of it this way. If you were given the cure to cancer, that you had it laid out to you exactly, and you've seen it actually put to work, and this can be quantified as a power, it's an authority, it's an ability to actually cause change. To defer it, is wrong on, on so many fronts. And to ignore the power that you have is, is just as problematic. Because back to our original inspiration, Spider-Man, he knows what he's capable of. And there's this moment in the movie where he has to make a decision on how he will use it. But it's not simply that the power is his. It's the fact that this new power that is now suddenly part of his life changes everything. This new power creates a new beginning. And this, my friends, is the beautiful weight of the resurrection. N.T. writes, he states this. He says, that Jesus' resurrection was not simply a surprise, happy ending to the story. It was and is bound to be seen as a glorious beginning. It meant that the darkest and strongest power in the world, the power of death itself, had been defeated. And if that was true, then a new power, a different sort of power from all others, had been unleashed into the world. Everything has changed with the resurrection. There's a new beginning that God has instituted in the middle of all of history. And Jesus, God hasn't simply set, hit reset on everything. It's not like he hit reset and he said, try again, you can do better next time. Maybe, maybe it'll be a little bit better the second time around. 
We believe that Jesus has overcome sin and death. And upon his ascension, we're reminded of what Jesus has provided for that renewal to actually take place, for that new beginning to actually take place. He told his followers in John 16, 7, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Maybe you've heard this communicated a variety of different ways. Advocate, helper, comforter, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Many a name given to the third person of the Trinity. And if you've ever heard the phrase or the title Holy Spirit, I think there's definitely some different associations that come into your mind. Uh, Maybe you think of a certain way of how you've seen people practice their relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you think of it simply as as this ghost idea that is floating around and somehow causing change in the world as this ethereal being is existing in our midst. Maybe it's just simply this idea of God for you. There's lots of different experiences that we have with the Holy Spirit. But let's see where the Holy Spirit actually starts in the Bible. Because if we go to page one, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. What do we see? We see that above the chaos, God's Spirit is hovering there. The Holy Spirit is existing and present from the very beginning. And what does the Spirit do? It brings wholeness to that which is fragmented. It brings order to that which is chaotic. And the way that the biblical authors actually depict the Spirit of God is very interesting. I want you to understand that when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about God's personal presence in your life. Is And the the way that the authors communicate it is this word ruha. And I'm saying it so poorly. You got to apologize for my my Hebrew. There's not enough in it. But it's more along those lines. I want you to think of it this way. There is a force that makes clouds and tree branches sway the wind. And in Hebrew, that is the same word that is used, ruah. And then I want you to think about a moment when you take a, a big breath. Everyone takes a deep breath of air in, and then you blow it out. And when you breathe in, you can feel it. It's almost like this, this vitality. Think of, think of a moment in which you were holding your breath, or you couldn't catch your breath. You got the wind knocked out of you, and suddenly you had air rush into your lungs, and it's this refreshment of the moment, this vitality that comes in. It's like life It actually flows through you as the air comes in. This is also the language that is used of ruah. And this is the same word for for wind, for breath, that's used for the Holy Spirit. And it's used to describe God's personal presence. So just like the wind and our breath are invisible, God's Spirit is invisible. Just like wind is powerful and impactful, God's Spirit is powerful and impactful. And just like our breath keeps us alive, God's Spirit brings us and sustains our life. Presence, power, and impact. Therefore, Christians have already been changed by Jesus' resurrection. 
when we receive that gift of resurrection, we are changed. And we believe that Jesus really is alive today. And because of this, Christians are also alive in this whole new way. Because the same power that raised Christ from the grave is the same power that is given to you and I. That spirit is the spirit that raises Christ from the grave is the spirit that's within you. That's within me. This is the new power that's come with the resurrection to start a new beginning. God wants us to not just believe in Jesus' resurrection, but to be transformed by it, to be empowered by it, and to receive the power that we need to, to live in a way that we believe now is right, to pursue the kingdom of God in all the different ways that we're invited to. God wants us to be a part of his new beginning. A new beginning with new power. This is how resurrection renews the world. Because even when Jesus talks about uh, the comforter that is to come, I want you to think of it this way. It's not simply to make us feel good. I think we think of the idea of comforter and we we think, well, it's going to make me feel better than I feel at the moment. I want you to actually think about how comfort is something that operates in your life. How do you feel comforted? By someone in your life. Nearness. Presence. Awareness of you. To know you as you are and to empower you to be all that you are in that moment so that you can experience the comfort that you need. This is the presence of God that is given to us. It's the spirit of God in this world. The presence of God empowers his people, and God's spirit has been at work throughout history. And this is how the spirit of God actually operates, and we've seen it take place over and over again. We see it from the beginning of the biblical narrative. When we look at a story like Joseph, that God's spirit is actually what enables him to understand and interpret dreams and allows him to become a great administrator and political leader. But Bezalel, he's empowered by God's spirit with this creative genius to have this artistic expression within the, the, art, the, the tabernacle to, to provide for the people of Israel in this artistic way, and the spirit is what empowers him to do so. A political leader, an artist, and even if we look at the prophets, we, we read out of the, the book of Joel, the, the prophets are given insight through God's spirit, to have a perspective that sees the world that is happening all around them through God's point of view. You can quantify these things, but the way that the Spirit is working, it's seeing the individual, it's coming into their presence, it's being part of their story, and it's empowering them in their unique ways in which they are created. Uh, A political leader, an artist, you could quantify a prophet as someone that was a religious leader at the time, or or someone that was, was speaking in protest to the ways that the world was operating all around them. The Spirit is that which comes into our broken spaces, making it new and leading us to a truer and greater purpose. 
This, this is what the Spirit does, and that's why I love the picture of the kintsugi. That there isn't a, a throwing away of what was. It is this, this bowl that has been shattered and broken, put back together with more value and beauty than there was before. With still a purpose that maybe they sensed that this bowl had a sense of before it was even broken. It was still a bowl, but now it's imbued with the goals within its broken cracks. And that is the picture of our life. That in our brokenness, who you are and all that God has placed within you has been there from the very beginning. And then we experience the brokenness of life, but we are not left to that place of brokenness. In fact, we are invited to discover how the brokenness is brought back together, not simply by good feelings and good intentions and good ideas, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to start a new beginning. A new power for a new beginning. It is as if the Holy Spirit is the gold between our cracks, making us more valuable, intertwining itself within the very brokenness of our lives so that we can be made new for the purposes of the kingdom and to be brought into this place where our value is not in simply the function of the item, but in the things that fill the cracks. Do you see the value that has been grown in this, this broken piece of pottery? Gold intertwining it, same with you and I. No longer is our identity found simply in our function, but in our interaction and in our relationship. Now the Holy Spirit is intertwined within all that we do, and your value is not in what you do, but in who you are as a child of God, imbued by the power of the Holy Spirit for the purposes of the kingdom to make part of the resurrection renewing the world. This is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in us, a part of our brokenness, and empowering us to function in all the ways that you have been created to be, but to be used for his glory and not ours. Despite the spirit in the world, I think we can agree chaos exists. And chaos in many ways has been set upon the world again and again, and a new type of disorder is, is present. And the prophet Joel, I think he saw this. In Joel 2.28, he declares that God would pour out his spirit upon his people. Just like in Genesis 1, there is this picture of the spirit coming in and bringing order to that which has chaos. And this is the same as the pouring out of the spirit through the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, wishing to bring about a new creation. Because this is what the Bible says. It's, it's, a, it's a scripture that maybe you've heard before. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It, it's not just a nice idea 
and it's not just a prompt of like, be better, I'm with you, be better. It's, it's I'm, I'm with you, and I'm part of your story. I'm with you, and I want to make something new, not just out of good intention, but because I've given you a new power and a new authority that we don't, have, we don't often recognize within our journey with Christ. Jesus does not simply invite us to be participants in the kingdom on our own strength. He's left us with something better. He, he doesn't want to simply transform our ideas. He wants to transform the human heart. And he wants to empower every single person in this room to do as the, he commands, to love God and to love others according to his will and his kingdom and his strength. It was that statement of pouring out his spirit on all people. It's a prophetic declaration of a time to come. And, and for many that would have heard it and, and read it at the time, they would have seen it as the end of time. But then Jesus comes into the middle of history and he pours out spirit. At the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful moment where Jesus is baptized and the heavens open up and the father declares, this is my son in whom I am pleased, my beloved son. And then the Holy Spirit falls upon Jesus and this is what begins Jesus' ministry. The spirit at work within Christ. And this is what we see is taking place within his ministry. Not simply good ideas, but the renewal of the world began the minute that Jesus began his ministry. Because that's what happens when you come into contact with his spirit. The resurrection might have come three years after his ministry started, but the light that enters into the darkness was already at work in the world. Jesus heals people. He forgives people. He presents an invitation for a new way, his way. There's a kingdom that's already being built on earth. He's creating life where there was once death. Do you see that resurrection power that was already at work in the ministry of Christ, let alone at the moment of Easter? Resurrection didn't wait till Easter. Jesus was already pouring out new life into dead spaces. This is what we need to understand as followers of Jesus. If, if we are going to be a people that are living into this resurrection truth, if we're going to be an Easter people, a people that are seeing the dead things in our lives brought back to life through the power of God, we need to acknowledge and participate in the power that we have been given. With great power comes great responsibility. Because the resurrection is attributed to the activity of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 16, 20, to 16 to 24, it talks about this assurance that a source of power in daily lives and a comfort that Jesus talks about in John 14. And through his resurrection, Jesus became a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this. And it's a whole new kind of human being, and it enables us to share in this new life. And it's only because of his resurrection and ascension that he was able to send the Holy Spirit into the world to carry out his special work. What the Spirit does for believers today 
is possible because of the resurrection. We have been raised to life with Christ. And this is the beginning of new creation. When Jesus comes out of that tomb in John 20, and he appears to Mary Magdalene, and then he goes and spends time with the disciples, in verses 21 to 22, this is the first thing that he does. He shows up, and I love that the statement that he leads with is always, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then in verse 22 of John 20, it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We often miss this part. Because we think about that moment in the upper room with the disciples and, and the fire falling on them in that moment, and it's as if the Holy Spirit came specifically then. But Jesus, immediately out of the tomb, he goes before his disciples, and he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And, but what do we know that the response of the disciples were in the days to come? Well, they spent time with Jesus, and they were afraid. They were unsure of what to do next. They were not aware or able to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the power that was given to them. But Jesus gave it immediately. God's Spirit was at work, and the earliest disciples of Jesus who saw him alive from the dead said this. It said that it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. And then the spirit comes powerfully over all his disciples so that they can become part of this new creation and share in the good news. And that's why in, in the book of Acts, the, the point at which is the coming of the spirit, uh, the, 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 the point is that the spirit is given so that through the work of the church, the kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. Acts makes it quite clear that the method of the kingdom will match the message of the kingdom. Therefore, the message of the kingdom is based around the person of Jesus, but the, the, the power that we have that is given to us through the Holy Spirit is what we need to hold on to if we're going to be part of the renewal of the world. We, we make grand statements sometimes, and, and I say them, that I, I want us to be part of seeing the kingdom of God here on earth. And that is a grand task. That is a gargantuan task that is set before us. And yet that is the, the invitation that is given to us over and over again by Jesus. But hear me when I say this, that all that feels beyond comprehension and beyond measure and beyond reach is possible not by our own strength, but by the new power that leads us to a new beginning through the Holy Spirit that is given to us. Do you recognize the resurrection power that is intertwined within the brokenness of your own life? 
And do you see that it is not the invitation to, to cover up and hide away that which is broken and, and, and scarred and has been full of mistakes, but to see how the Spirit has come into your situation and, and provided healing and forgiveness and wholeness to all that was fragmented so that you could be made new and part of the resurrection of the world. The great challenge that we are invited to, to see, Henry Nouwen says, is to actually participate in the divine life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How does the resurrection renew the world? It begins with seeing the power that has been poured out. The power that has been poured out, the spirit that's been poured out. Otherwise, we sit in this place, avoidant of responsibility or ignorant of the power that we have, unable to live into renewal. Because here's, here's, the, here's the beauty that we are given. The Spirit of God is, to this day, still hovering over the dark places of our world. Pointing people to the transforming and empowering work of Jesus. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. And the story of the Bible ends with this vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. Worship team, you can join me at the front. When we consider his teachings as a whole, Christ's teachings, and we see this statement that we're invited to live in this abundant spirit-filled resurrection life, life and life to the fullest. I think part of the problem that we can often face is that we, we so often celebrate wholeness without the recognition of brokenness. That we don't create space to see the gold that has been poured into the cracks of our fragmented, broken moments that have made us whole that brought incredible value to that which we thought was too far gone. To see the scars is real, but to see the beauty at play. We're going to watch a quick video here that is going to describe how Kintsugi and the gospel might actually work together. So I'd invite you to turn your attention to the screen. story of Kintsugi. This is a 20th century tea bowl. So Japan lacquer, which is used to mend the broken bowl. And the gold is mended, and you can tell by the way it's mended, the care of the design, the master's touch, his incredible humor is all evident here. And you can just look at it and admire this spider web, right? Trauma, mended, becomes something new, right? 
becoming something that a language that can speak into the divide, into the gap. And there was a tea master in 16th century Japan, Senmaliki, who developed the art of tea. This is what Japanese culture is based on now, who developed this form of peacemaking in the midst of feudal, literally, war period. Rikyu came and walked into that. He was able to create an art form of tea. I hold in my hand a North Korean bowl used by commoners in North Korea, but one that Rikyu saw as incredible potential in this ordinary bowl to bring this into high tea of serving shoguns, <laughs> serving dictators and powers, communicated something. That's why this ball, even though it was broken somewhere down the line, the families of the tea master kept this ball, right? Because they know this was served to somebody important, because it was an intentional communication to say, yes, you may be powerful, but there are more powerful things than your power. That's an artist communicating to power. That is to bring humility, creativity, and imagination, what I call sanctified imagination. And that's how this art of Kintsugi began, this mending with gold and making the, the object that is mended more valuable than before it, it was dropped on the floor beauty of how God not only mends us, but because we are broken, we are renewed, and this kintsugi ball is far more valuable than it was before it was broken. there is this beautiful invitation for us this morning. We're going to be talking more about the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come. But I wanted to establish, just at a baseline, that the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the midst of our present lives. It is the power of God empowering us for a new beginning, as new creation, with greater values and greater purpose than we ever thought possible. So this morning, I'm going to ask everyone just to bow your heads and, and just close your eyes with me. And, and as, as we do this together, in your own moment, would you, would you draw to your mind perhaps a, a place that you have felt like you've fallen short, a place that you feel like is broken, a, a relationship, uh, a, a hope and a dream? 
an, an action that is filled with regret or, or guilt and shame. And I want you to, to hear the beauty of the resurrection power, that that which is broken is made new in Jesus' name. That that which we carry, which feels too heavy, is unburdened in Jesus' name. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation. That Jesus made a way and the Spirit of God, the nearness of God, the presence of God in your life here today begins the transformation. There is so much to discover within each and every person here that the Spirit would love to reveal, to unlock. Would you receive that power this morning? The presence of the God of the universe in your life. Father in heaven, we just pray that we would have tender hearts this morning. That you would remove our, our, our barriers and our sense of, of pride and our stubbornness. And Holy Spirit, would you come into the brokenness and the cracks of our life and would you fill it with the newness to bring it all together for the purposes of your kingdom? For where we might feel hesitant and unsure, I pray that the comforter is what we feel. For where we might feel unjustly treated and so far from Support. Just pray we hear the, the advocate at our side. For where we feel alone and lonely, unable to, to, to feel a part of anything, pray we feel the nearness of the Spirit of God. This is how the resurrection renews the world, by beginning to renew the things that are in you. Because when we are renewed, thank you, Jesus, that that's when the renewal of the world around us can truly begin. Give us soft hearts this morning. And in this week to come, may we hear how the Spirit is leading us and guiding us. There's a journey to go on together. Thank you that we are given this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.